Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome back, everyone, to the Lay the Points podcast. I am your host, Kendall Caps. It is December 8th, 2022, and man, I am fired up. I don't know about you, but thank you very much for joining me. This is going to be a very special show. We are coming off uh, a banner week at the Lay the Points podcast. Last week, we hit five for five on NFL for week 13. We hit two out of three with the college football bowl games, nailed our four-team teaser and our four-team parlay. So if you were listening last week and you went with everything that we said here on the show, you made a lot of money. I know I did. I'm looking forward to hopefully keeping that momentum going coming into this week. And man, I am really fired up. There is so much going on in the world of sports right now. It is definitely one of the best times of the year. And it happens to be the every fourth year when we also get the World Cup happening. And because of where in the world it is, it's happening at this time of year. And it has been one heck of a tournament. So let's start there. You know, coming into this World Cup, I think a lot of people thought that there was really only a handful of teams, maybe only a couple of teams that had a legitimate shot at capturing the World Cup. And this tournament has been exhilarating from beginning all the way through to where we are now in the quarterfinals. There have been so many major, major upsets. We watched Argentina lose to Saudi Arabia. Belgium, once again, they they lost to Morocco and didn't get out of the group. Uh, I mean, there's been numerous, numerous upsets. Japan pulled one off a few days ago, advancing out of their group as well. It was actually the first time in World Cup history that three teams from the Pacific Conference, the Japan, South Korea, and Australia, three of them made it out of the group stage. So congratulations to them. And of course, for anyone that's been following this tournament, I think the Cinderella that is still alive and the glass slipper is still fitting is Morocco. And let me tell you, I've been so impressed with what they've done thus far. And, you know, when they beat Spain in the quarterfinal, for anyone that thinks that that was, you know, lightning striking, they haven't been paying attention to this tournament in the way that Morocco is playing defense. I'll get in a little bit more to that in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk about what I think is the best bet on the board if you're going to put some money on the World Cup and on a potential winner. The defending champion team in France, If right now they are plus 450 in most places to capture the title and go back-to-back. And obviously going back-to-back is never easy. Not many teams have ever done it. Um, Brazil did it. I think uh, Uruguay might have done it 70 or so years ago. Uh, But it's obviously a very rare feat. But this France team, the way they are playing right now, there's a number of reasons to think that if you can get four to one on your money, that that is a great bet to make right now. And I'm going to go into those reasons. First off, despite the fact that they play another elite club here in the quarterfinals in England, we all know that England is notorious for choking in big tournaments, especially in the World Cup. 
you know, the last World Cup in 20, 2018, they made it all the way to the semis. It was the furthest they had made it in a very, very long time. And they are a talented team. But I think everyone knows that France is the favorite and should be the favorite here. And considering the side of the bracket that they play in, because I do believe it, we'll see plenty of action in that game, but I think France is going to come out of that. And they're on the side of the bracket with Morocco and Portugal. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have Brazil, Argentina, the Netherlands, and Croatia. Croatia was the runner-up four years ago. Argentina, you know they're extremely talented. Brazil is Brazil. And the Netherlands have played far better than most people give credit to and are a top 10 team in the world. So the fact that France does would only have to beat one of those teams to capture the title is a huge boost. And to me, makes it really worthwhile at this price. And I think that this team is probably the deepest in the tournament. Obviously, everyone knows Kylian Mbappe. He's probably the best player in the world, and he's only like 23 or 24 years old, which is truly incredible. You watch him on the ball, and he's at another level right now compared to just about everyone on the planet. But they are deep. Giroud, Griezmann, Dembele, Varane, and maybe the best goalkeeper in the world in Hugo Lloris. So considering all those things... And the fact that they're on the right side of the bracket, that's a huge, huge boost. And just in case you're not sure and you you think, well, I could see them getting to the final, but they might run into Brazil and might not pull it off. Or maybe they don't beat Argentina or something like that. If if that's your line of thinking, you can actually get plus 430 for them to finish as runner up. I feel extremely confident they're going to at least make the finals. So if you lay down, let's say, 100 bucks for them to win it and 100 bucks for them to uh, finish as runner-up, if they make the final, you're guaranteed to more than double your money. So that's a great way to hedge your bet here. They got a great draw, and things are looking really, really solid for them. So I feel like that's a really good bet for the World Cup at this point going forward. In particular, coming into these quarterfinals, there were a couple other bets that I thought made a lot of sense and have some good value. So in that Netherlands-Argentina game that's going to take place Friday morning, you can get plus 105 that both teams get on the score sheet. And we know that Argentina can score, but we've also seen them have defensive lapses, not just in this tournament, but over the last couple of years. In Netherlands, if you watch them against the U.S., who had only allowed one goal and it was on a PK in their prior three games... Netherlands scored three times and made it look quite easy. Their their tactical finishes in the attacking third were, it was beautiful to watch, even though it was also painful. Um, but we told you about that as well. And, and we said, you know, there was money to be made and you got even money on Netherlands if they win it in 90 minutes. Well, guess what? They won it in 90 minutes. I made some even money off of that. Um, another bet for this particular round that I think has value, even though it's, it's, you know, obviously a bit unlikely to see it, but I'm going to give you the reasoning behind it. So Portugal plays Morocco and Morocco is coming off, you know, the biggest win in their country's history, beating Spain in the quarterfinal. You know, that's that's a country that literally is nine miles away. You can stand from the shores of Morocco and see Spain 
um, or well, close enough. Anyway, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but they are literally that close. And Portugal's right next door. Uh, so they know each other very, very well. And despite the fact that Portugal is a heavy favorite, if you bet that Portugal wins this game, but it requires extra time, you get eight and a half to one. And I think there's a pretty good chance if they played this eight, nine times, that's going to happen. And here's why. If you've watched this Moroccan side so far in this tournament, their defense is unbelievable. Spain carried the ball and had possession for over 70% of that game. And yet the two best scoring chances of the entire game belong to Morocco. Because anytime anything got anywhere near the box, they were so active, they communicated defensively. It was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from a team in the World Cup. And I think that that can carry on. And let's not forget, they're essentially playing at home in that crowd. If if you watch that game against Spain, it was basically all Moroccan fans. And so I think you're going to see another exceptional defensive effort. And I could see them pushing this into extra time. Now, over the course of you know playing that many minutes, it's hard to not concede a goal playing that way for 120 minutes in back-to-back games. And that's why I feel like if you take Portugal in extra time here at plus 850, it makes some sense. Again, it's it's a bit of a long shot, but I feel like it happens this that would happen more than every one and eight and a half times that they play each other. So there's value there. There's some money to be made. So that's that's kind of where we stand with the World Cup right now. And I hope you all have enjoyed the tournament as much as I have thus far, because it has been thrilling. I've woken up a lot earlier than I wanted to because of it taking place in Qatar, but it has been well worth the lack of sleep because there have been some unbelievable games and I've been at the edge of my seat throughout most of it. Hopefully you have too. And I've also been making money off of it. Hopefully you are as well. So let's transition now to the NFL. It's the big boy. It's the moneymaker. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, coming off an unbelievable week, went five for five uh, on our NFL picks, hit our four-team teaser and our four-team parlay. Um, that's that's really difficult to do, by the way, for anyone who's a novice at this. And I just, I've, I've been on fire all season long, and I really hit a crown jewel last week, and I'm looking to keep that momentum going. So I'm going to start in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills at home giving the Jets nine and a half. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been on the Bills bandwagon all year long. And a few weeks ago, I told you that they were going to hammer someone at home, and they did. And generally, they do. They play really, really well at home. But I have some serious concerns about this Bills team. First, the news broke that Vaughn Miller is officially out for the season. You know, when Buffalo went out and got him this offseason, they got him to close games, to be that difference maker defensively that can get after the quarterback and make plays late when they have a lead and they need to finish a game. And with him gone, I can't imagine how there's not at least somewhat of a psychological blow to that team and to that defense, which is already a little banged up. Greg Rousseau's out again this week, uh, the other defensive end. They're still, you know... uh, they're all pro safety. Micah Hyde is on IR. He's not coming back. He's out for the year. So they're banged up still on defense. And that Jets defense 
is legit. I think at this point, it's safe to say that it is probably a top 10 unit. They have an elite corner in Sauce Gardner, and I'm really looking forward to seeing Sauce Gardner against Stephon Diggs. That should be a lot of fun to watch. But when they met last month, a Jets victory, by the way, that was with Zach Wilson at quarterback, which I don't know how, I guess their defense just played out of their mind that day. Um, and I can't imagine this Jets offense being any worse than they had been under Zach Wilson. Since Mike White took over, the offense has looked a little bit more competent. Their rookie wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, is back to looking like the rookie of the year or potential rookie of the year. Um, they're, they're at least moving the football. Even in their loss to the Vikings last week, they they averaged, I think it was, they, I know they posted significantly more yardage. They moved the football up and down the field. They just struggled in the red zone where held to a few field goals, and that's what ultimately cost them the game. But nine and a half is a big number when you don't have much of a run game and you're going against an elite defense. So as much as I love the Bills and I'm rooting for them because I, I, I would love to see them win, um, and I do think they'll win this game, but nine and a half is too many points. Give me the nine and a half. Uh, I'll take the Jets. All right, from one rivalry game to another, or at least division game to another, that is a rivalry. The Pittsburgh Steelers are hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Over-under sitting at 36.5, which already, that tells you a little bit, there's not going to be a lot of points in this game. The elephant in the room, Lamar Jackson, he's hurt, he's out, he's probably gone for the next few weeks. That is a huge blow to this Ravens offense, which was already decimated with injuries. It's crazy to me that Two years in a row, they have just been absolutely crushed. Last year, it was all their running backs. This year, it's all their receivers. And pretty much, Mark Andrews is the only reliable weapon they have in the passing game. And now they're starting Tyler Huntley at quarterback against a, a Pittsburgh defense that early in the season was really struggling. But we can't forget that TJ Watt was gone for most of that. When he plays, the Steelers are 4-1 and one this year. He's healthy and he's playing. The Steelers are only giving two and a half. That's a key. And I think that number is going to tick up to three the closer do we get to game time. So I strongly suggest jumping on the Steelers while it's still at two and a half. I would be very surprised if that doesn't get to three, maybe even three and a half by the time the game kicks off. Um, and it, at that point, if it goes to three and a half, knowing how many field goal games these two teams play, it's a Ravens or stay away, but at two and a half, I love Pittsburgh. Uh, I just don't see how the Ravens are going to score points in this game. The Steelers rush defense is sixth in the NFL and Baltimore, who already was struggling to run the football uh, outside of Lamar Jackson. Now they don't have Lamar and they don't have any healthy backs. They don't have any healthy receivers. I don't see how they're going to score more than 10, 13 points in this game. And the Steelers offense has come to life a bit, uh, especially on the outside. We've seen George Pickett, or excuse me, George Pickens uh, and Kenny Pickett, even though Pickens had no catches last week. Um, you know, you could see him getting frustrated. They addressed it during the week. I expect him to be much more involved this week. But at that two and a half number, there's too much value not to take the Steelers at home. All right, we're going to stay with another divisional matchup, but move over to the NFC now. The Philadelphia Eagles giving six and a half to the New York Giants at the Meadowlands. Over-under sitting at 44 and a half. 
you know, this is a really tricky game in a lot of ways because the Giants, after that hot six and one start, they're one, three and one, their last five. Uh, and their offense has really struggled to score. They showed some life in the second half against Washington last week, and they probably let that game get away, ultimately tying uh, with the Washington Commanders. But in here, I, I just have a hard time seeing how they're going to keep up with this Eagles team. We saw the Eagles last week destroy Tennessee, a team that can take away your running game, but had a rather poor secondary. And some people that might say, hey, I like the Giants here. They're not like the Titans. You, you know, their secondary is really good. It's hard to move the ball through the air on them. And I would agree with you. But just a couple of weeks prior, we saw the Eagles play a team that had an elite secondary that you could run against, similar to the New York Giants. And they hammered that team as well. Uh, they have all of the makings. No one wants to admit it, but the Eagles have all the makings of what should be a legit Super Bowl contender. I think everyone is still somewhat skeptical about them coming the postseason because we haven't seen Jalen Hurts in the postseason. But what is not to like? They're one of the best rushing teams in the league. They're also explosive through the air. Jalen Hurts, I don't care who you are, when you watch him, he is a playmaker and he's become accurate with the football. He makes reads now. He's not the best in, in the league at it, but he's not just a one-read quarterback any longer. And defensively, they had a you know a lull for a couple of weeks there against the Commanders and then the Colts, and they were getting gashed a bit on the run game while Jordan Davis was out. But Jordan Davis is back, and then just to add some depth, they signed Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue in free agency. So they now are extremely deep on that defensive line. So I don't think teams are going to be able to run the football. And the Giants, their entire offense is predicated on the ability for them to run the football. If you can take that away, Daniel Jones has shown he is not capable of just dropping back 40 times and slinging the ball around the yard and moving the ball and scoring points. So I do think that the Giants will keep this close in the first half. I think their defense will do enough to make it interesting. But at six and a half, I think the Eagles will win this by at least a touchdown. Um, it's very possible they pull away and wear the Giants down as the game prolongs and the Giants defense is on the field. And one particular thing that really stands out, that Giants rush defense is 26th in the league, giving up 141 yards a game. So Philly, they've shown they can win multiple ways. They're going to come into this game wanting to run the football. And when they can run it, the Jalen Hurts off that play-action pass is deadly. They have legit weapons on the outside. There's no reason to think that they shouldn't win this game by at least a touchdown. So give me the Eagles. I'm going to lay the points, even in a divisional rival game. All right. So now we are jumping back to the AFC. And... Somehow, it didn't even occur to me when I was doing my research for all these games this week that we are just dealing with one division rival after another. And here we go again. We're going back to the AFC North, but this time it's the Cincinnati Bengals laying six and a half at home to the Cleveland Browns. This is a really interesting game. Cleveland, for whatever reason has won five straight in eight of the last nine in this series. Joe Burrow hasn't beaten them yet. 
He owns Kansas City. He doesn't lose to Mahomes, but he can't beat the Cleveland Browns. And in a number of those losses, they weren't even close. The Browns have dump trucked him. Uh, it's been really bad. And let's not forget, Deshaun Watson, as bad as he looked in his first game back, he hadn't played football in almost two years. So you knew he was going to be rusty against a good secondary in Houston. People don't realize the Texans actually have a good secondary. They're just atrocious at stopping the run. And despite that, the Browns defense scored twice. They got a score from their special teams and they won by 13 last week. So they won going away. And obviously it wasn't their offense involved, but because of the recent history between these teams, I fully expect Deshaun Watson to play much better than he did last week. And then let's not forget that the Bengals are coming off a very, very big emotional win against the Chiefs last week. That was a huge game for them. It kept them alive for the overall one seed. It gave them the lead in the division. I mean, that was a really big win and, and they showed up and they played extremely well. They almost practically gave it away before half, pulling what the Chiefs did in the in the playoff game, blowing any chance at, at points. But they made plays and, and they earned that victory and they were the better team on Sunday. But we've seen it time and time again when a good team beats another really strong opponent and has an emotional victory like that. It's easy to see them have a letdown the following week. Um, and the fact that it's in Cincinnati doesn't change very much considering Ohio's what 150 miles away or excuse me Cleveland is right down the road so I I expect there to still be plenty of Browns fans there so knowing all that I'll take the Browns I'll take the points the Bengals should still win the game but six and a half is a big number considering the recent history between these two and all the other things that I talked about so give me the six and a half on that one all right, and finally, the last game that I want to talk about specifically with the NFL Week 14 is what on paper should have been the game of the week, but man, it's it's going to be really weird to watch. It's the San Francisco 49ers at home giving three and a half to the Bucks. So I think Vegas and probably everyone is jumping back on Tampa's bandwagon because of Brady's heroics against the Saints on Monday Night Football, which for anyone that watched it, Man, how sometimes you're just left scratching your head. How does he do this? I mean, for 55 minutes, Brady looked awful. The offense could not move the football. They couldn't even pick up first downs. They're down 13 with five minutes left, and they put together back-to-back 80-yard touchdown drives and win the game with three seconds left. I mean, that was it was so quintessential Tom Brady. But let's not forget, we we saw something very similar earlier this year. The Bucs were playing the Rams, trailed late. The Rams took the lead with like 30 seconds left. The Bucs got the ball in their own 30 or 35, trailing by two, I think it was. Or no, no, they might have needed a touchdown. Yeah, I think they needed a touchdown. And they had no timeouts. And he let them down. I think he went 65 yards in like 45 seconds with no timeouts and basically got a walk-off touchdown victory. And it was like, oh, okay, that's going to jumpstart the Bucs season. And they're going to start to roll now. But as we learned, this team is just not that good. I can't discount the first 55 minutes that I saw against the Saints who have a slightly above mediocre defense. And now they go against a Niners defense that is 
fully healthy. They haven't been this healthy all year long, really in a couple of years. Two weeks ago, they shut out the Saints. Two Yeah, two weeks ago, they shut out the Saints. Last week, Tua, who had not lost a game that he started and finished in almost two years, got drubbed, threw a couple picks. He hadn't thrown a pick in 180 pass attempts, threw a couple picks, and that game wasn't even as close as the score indicated. You know, they the Dolphins hit a 75-yard touchdown pass on the first play of the game, and then the rest of the game, they pretty much didn't move the football, and they turned it over four times against this Niners defense. What is that front of the Niners going to do against that Buccaneers front uh, offensive line? They are going to eat Tom Brady alive. I'm sorry. This is not going to be a close game. And I am, for anyone that knows me, one of the biggest Tom Brady fans on this planet. I plan on writing a book on him someday. And I, I believe so much in who he is as a leader and as a football player. And there's so much about him that I absolutely love. But I'm sorry, I just don't see it. I mean, yeah, the Bucs are going to go to the playoffs because their division is so atrocious, but they're not winning this game. They're not covering the three-and-a-half-point spread. San Fran is going to win this going away. There are so many reasons. I don't care that Brock Purdy is the starter. I mean, in, in a weird way, that could work to San Fran's advantage because Garoppolo, it's not like he's anything to write home about, and when he's off, he turns the ball over quite a bit, and no one has tape on Brock Purdy. I mean, what, are you going to go get his Iowa State tape, I guess? I, I guess you can go look at him in college, but no one has any tape on this kid. And he looked pretty competent last week. Um, and the Bucks defense is not the, the Bucks defense of old. They can't stop the run anymore. They used to be elite. Now they're 20th in the league. Uh, so I fully expect the Niners to do what they do, which is run the football, and they're going to run it successfully. They'll probably use McCaffrey a ton out of the backfield as well. He caught eight passes for 80 yards last week. I think we'll see more of the same this week. Um, so even though the, I think the Bucks defense is good enough to keep this keep them in the game for a while, but the Bucks offense is not going to be on the field very much. I don't think they're going to have more than 40, 45 plays in this game. Uh, time of possession is going to look something like 35 minutes for San Francisco, 25 for Tampa, maybe even more lopsided than that. When you have your defense on the field that long, it's just, it's too difficult against a really good opponent like San Francisco. So I'm going to lay the three and a half there and take the home favorite. Now on to my favorite segment of the show. Kendall's Corner, where, as usual, I, I always talk about uh, certain teasers and parlays, which I've been on fire. So I've hit my parlay. Let's see. This is week 14. So we've placed 13. We've hit seven 14 parlays in 13 weeks. And we've hit our teaser three of the last four weeks. So we've really been hitting. And I feel really, really good this week with the ones that I've narrowed down. So let's start with our teaser. It's a four-team this week. The Chargers are playing on Sunday night at home against the Dolphins. That game's a toss-up. We're going to see plenty of points in that game. But if you tease the Chargers, who are at home getting three, you could tease them to plus nine. I mean, do the, could the Dolphins win the game? Absolutely. You know, I think they're probably better than the Chargers. A healthy Charger team would be different. But this Charger team's not close to healthy, as we all know. But I think 
plus nine for a team led by Herbert against a struggling Dolphins defense at home, the Chargers are live dogs. They could win that game. So if I got to tease them to plus nine, I love that bet. That Giants-Eagles games that, game that we talked about, we're going to tease the over-under on that up to 50 and a half and take the under. We've seen time and time again when the Eagles get up this season, they run the ball and they run out the clock. They did it a number of times that that Vikings game. They're up 24-7 and a half. It finished 24-7. Um, and knowing that the Giants can be had on the ground, the Eagles should find plenty of success. That means limited possessions, which means the clock is running. There's less scoring. So if you could tease that to under 50 and a half, I really like that spot as well. Flip side of that, I want to tease the Lions-Vikings over to 46 and a half. Now, I talked a lot about the Lions last week. I loved them against the against the Jags, and I hammered that over. It was 51 and a half, a big number. I said it was going over. They scored 40 themselves. The Lions at home averaged 32 a game. In the Vikings, we know that they have a good offense that can score points, and the Lions defense is not very good. They're actually one of the worst defenses, especially in the secondary. So, like, I don't see any way this game doesn't go over 46 and a half. So you tease that to go over because 52 and a half, that's a big number. But when you can tease this to 46, you only need 47. There's going to be 47 points in that game. And the final one is another one that we touched on briefly earlier, that Steelers-Ravens game. And I, and I mentioned that the line was over under at 36 and a half, which Vegas is basically telling you this. There's not going to be points in this game. Tease that to 42 and a half and take the under. I mean, I just don't see how either team is going to get even to in, to 20, but especially Baltimore. They, they might not break 10. Um, so you take that under 42. So you tease those four together, and you're getting plus 240. Last week, our four-team teaser got us plus 250. This week, it's plus 240. I feel really good about this one. And then finally, our week, uh, our five-team parlay uh, this week. A lot of times, I just go with four teams. But there were a number of teams this week that I know are going to win. So I'm going to keep hammering this because I feel like it's worth it, especially for anyone that's new listening to the show. Never par make parlay bets if you're betting the spread. It is essentially a scam. Vegas is robbing you blind. And yes, you, you love the odds and you love to see them. And every once in a while you hit it and you feel great. But trust me, in the long run, you're losing. It's, it's just so difficult picking one game against the spread, never mind pairing it with a couple and having to hit all of them. But in football, in the NFL, every week, there's three, four, five games we know who is going to win that game. We don't know for sure if they'll cover the spread, but we know they're going to win. This week, the Cowboys, they're at home against the Texans. They're giving them 16 and a half. That is a massive number. You almost never see a number like that in the NFL. I don't know if they can cover that, but I know they're going to win the game. So you take the Cowboys money line. Chiefs Broncos. Chiefs hasn't lost to the Broncos in God knows how long. Chiefs know that they basically have to win out if they want any shot of that one seed. And with how poorly they've done against the Bills and Bengals the last two years, they're one and five, by the way, they need home field. So there is no way they're losing to that Broncos team that week after week looks somehow worse. It's unbelievable. Nathaniel Hackett's got to be on his way out one of these days. So you take the Chiefs money line. The 49ers Bucks. 
like I said, for all the reasons I said above, and maybe there's a little bit of risk here because Tom Brady is on the other side, but I just don't see it with that San Francisco front against that banged up Bucks offensive line. And we've seen it all year long when Brady doesn't have time to throw the offense. They can't, we know they can't run it. And if he doesn't have time to throw, I just don't know how they're going to move the football in that game. Uh, so I take the the Niners on the money line. The Eagles Giants, similarly, like I think we're finding out who the Giants really are. It, it's a great story. They're a decent football team. They're in rebuild mode and they're a little ahead of schedule, I think. But we all know they're not that good of a football team. There's still plenty of holes in that roster. And the Eagles are maybe the most complete team in the NFL. So I got to take the Eagles money line. And finally, the Bills Jets. Again, you know, the Jets have a, a really good defense. They beat the Bills last time. But up in Buffalo, Buffalo is a different team. I'd be very, very surprised if they lose that game. So you take the Cowboys money line, the Chiefs money line, the Niners, the Eagles, and the Bills, and you get plus 250 on that. And I know most people, oh, man, a five-team parlay, and I'm only getting plus 250. But again, it's all about because we're playing the money line. We're taking teams that we know are going to win. And this season, which actually I think we missed two shows, come to think of it. There were two weeks that we missed the show. So I've actually only played 11 of my four-team or five-team parlays. And I've hit seven of 11. Because if you know the NFL, you know every week there are three or four or five teams that are going to win. And yes, every so often, one of them is going to get upset. And you lost that week. But I've been crushing it with these parlays all year long, making plenty of money. I've been making money. I want to make you money. Let's do this together. That's going to wrap up the show. I want to say, uh, toss a thank you out to the BetQL Radio Network for having me on last week. It was a ton of fun. We we broke down all the college football bowl games, and we were right on par. We, we missed TCU, but we hit the rest of them, and they all went exactly how we thought they would. Uh, so that was a ton of fun. Shout out to the BetQL Radio Network. I'd love to do that again. That was a lot of fun. And until next week, this is Kendall Cap signing off. Let's make some money. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.